Welcome to Accounting High. We're just getting started with our technology. We're just now reassembling our technology team. Uh, we have about a thousand customers on our platform right now. The average customer is logging in about three times a month. We're, we're on this journey of bringing advisory to all small business owners. So it's about interpreting the data, telling them what's going on, telling them a story that relates to that business owner so they can make actionable decisions. Business owners don't want P&Ls and balance sheets. They don't care to see black and white text on a page. It doesn't really do anything for them. They want to see green when it's good, red when it's bad. It's about enabling our service team and our technology to just better support small business owner growth. Server systems with tech allowances, fintech vendors with some cloud outfits, but now they're coding this computer science for accountants. In fact, I'm remoting in new tools, paperless, asynchronous for data analysts, APIs to find all your SaaS apps connected, cloud computing plugins for your implementation, automate technology to leverage the meta, disrupt your desktop, then break it down. We're sharing metrics, AI to the GPT to the AI disrupt. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and crypto agents disrupt. Time to tweak your tech team and make some changes disrupt. If my staff quit, I still have automation disrupt. Last episode just went viral. Let's go, it's gonna make your head spiral. Scarano, Casey, Sunshine, Accounting High Show. The lab is ready, it's tech time, yo. Glitch, it's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time at Accounting High. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time at Accounting High. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. Zachary Call, Scott Scarano, and Nicholas Pascarosa. Oh, man, I got stepped on. It's all right. That's all right. Because Zachary's going to introduce you, Nick, for anybody that didn't hear over the bell, saved by the bell. We are we are honored today to be with And blessed. And blessed to have Nick Pascarosa. Did I say that right? It's Pascarosa. okay. It's Pascarosa. It's close enough. It's pretty close. From... Nick is uh, the founder of Bookkeeper 360. He's also the famous Bookkeeper 360. If you're in the zero world, you know Bookkeeper 360. His company, Book Bookkeeper 360, is a Forbes 1000 company, and he is 20 under 40 of accounting influencers. And that was who 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 puts that out? Is that CPA practice? C- CPA practice advisor. Yep. You know, we have we have two of the twenty on this episode today. You are as well, right? Scott, aren't you? You're on there, Scott. I am. I am. Yeah. Congrats. This is my first little list. Yeah. Congrats. Congrats to you, Nick. This is awesome. So, the way I want to structure this episode, we're going to go past, present, future with you and Bookkeeper Three Hundred and Sixty. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you guys are doing some amazing things. I think you always have been. You always been kind of set in the pace or setting the tone for a modern cloud accounting firm. So Nick, start with 
high school, I guess. You could start earlier than that, but I don't think we need to go that far back. I mean, this is accounting high, so it's appropriate. Makes sense. So high school. So I grew up in Long Island, New York. I took college accounting in high school. That was probably my first interaction with accounting. And da- even dating back in like high school, I was that like, kid in this kid in the classroom that kind of did his own thing his own way. I'll never forget like trying to explain to my uh, teachers at the time that I want to take notes using a Palm Pilot, which th- those things don't exist anymore. And I started to like take all my notes on Palm Pilot. Uh, Palm Pilot. I was always obsessed with technology from like a very early age, just discovering it, understanding how it like interacts with different things and whatnot. And I eventually learned I could turn off the TVs in high school as well. So any teachers that watched this episode by some way of imagine, like I used to turn off the TV. I was that kid turning on and off the TV during yeah. the presentations. You were that kid. Somebody that had kid. it with their watch. You probably had it with your Palm Pilot or some some form or another. Yeah. It was the best when we had substitute teachers because I'd like really just piss them off. They'd have no idea what's going on. So like- Were I, you I, quiet? Uh, were you quiet and, and mischievous? Because- I wouldn't say I was quiet. No, I definitely was outspoken. I didn't get into okay. trouble. I didn't, it wasn't like one of those kids in detention, like left and right. But I definitely said what was on my mind. They just did things how I thought they should be done okay. from a very early age. But uh, I was introduced to accounting back in you know high school. And at the time, my mom- was running a business, a textiles company, and she was using a software called Peachtree. And she didn't know, you know, squat about software and accounting and invoices. And that was kind of my first, early, you know, I guess my mom was my first client. So I started, um, you know, a list of the page and the Craigslist at the time. I got like a How old books. were you when, when your mom was doing this? Back in or what school. year did you graduate high school? 2010. 2010? Yeah. Okay. So like I started working on this software at the time I knew nothing about, and then I learned something about QuickBooks and I became a pro advisor because I took their certification online. And then I, uh, I started like marketing myself to small businesses in the area through Craigslist where I found one of my first clients. And it's funny because they weren't even having like a accounting problem. They're having a problem printing checks. So it's like they called me because they just didn't know how to use a printer and check stock. And it's like, that's a technology problem. That's not like an accounting problem. Right. And kind of snowballed from there. I never imagined or dreamed Bookkeeper 360 would turn into what it has become. There was no business plan back then. It was just me trying to earn a hustle to pay for the things I liked. And, you know, I always had, uh, I always liked nice things. I had to figure out a way to afford them some way. So we all like nice things. Some people just admit it and some people just can't afford it and don't admit it. So I guess. Tell me, so did this business start from your mom, like from helping your mom? And was it, did you call it Bookkeeper 360 out the gate? Like, give me, give me a time frame of, of college too, like how that, how it eventually started. Yeah. So I incorporated my S Corp back in like, I guess, 2010 ish. Okay. So it was called Pask Management Corporation, which is just my last name abbreviated. My nickname is Pask. So that's what all my friends. Easter Management. Yeah, Easter Management, exactly. We're counting eggs, I guess. So it started with just Past Management Corporation, then eventually rebranded to Bookkeeper 360 later on throughout college. So my college experience was like, I didn't have a college life, actually. So by the time I was in college, I already had uh, a few dozen customers. I actually had a physical office at like the age of 18. My parents had no idea what the hell I was doing in this office because I eventually moved out of my parents' basement because I had like a really big room in my parents' basement. I had like this huge U-size, a U-shaped desk that like took up almost like 
75% of my bedroom. They thought it was like outrageous, but I'm like, I need somewhere to work. I had all these monitors and all over the place. So um, that was like, so I tucked that out and I moved it into a physical office while like in college. So I didn't like really have, so I went to St. John's University, which is in Jamaica, Queens. I have a master's in taxation. I could sit for the CPA, but I'm not practicing, you know, like uh, accountant anymore. I just, run, you know, run the operations in the business. And throughout college, it's like I went in, got my done and got out. And I eventually actually converted to just doing online classes because the growth of Bookkeeper 360 started to really take off. And it was, you know, just took up a lot of my time. Uh, I never did like internships or big four type of stuff and kind of found the niche in, you know, small business accounting. And I guess the rest is history. Right? On, on those early days, what primarily were, was fueling your growth? Were you doing advertising or was it all word of mouth? Like how, how were you growing? So locally, when I, before Bookkeeper 360 started accepting like customers all across the country, it was all local, uh, which was mostly word of mouth. It was one small business owner would refer to a friend that owned the small business. And I think at the time they were like, oh, this guy, Nick, he's such a young kid. He's trying to make up, he's hustling, like give him a chance. Like that's how I got introduced. But then I really started to provide value and they're like, wow, this is great. My wife or whoever doesn't have to do it. And you're going to give me like accurate, like update books and whatnot. And it just started with just bookkeeping, like bill pay. I didn't do tax and payroll. And I later started doing taxes and I started majoring in tax, but uh, I just started with just basic bookkeeping. And I'll never forget this moment. So I was sitting in my conference room and a entrepreneur, like a serial entrepreneur from Brooklyn called me and he's like, I found you online. And you're about 45 minutes away from me. And I don't ever want to see you because I don't have a physical place to have you even meet. And I don't really feel like getting coffee with you either. He's like, I'm just going to give you my Chase bank account information. I'm going to email you my login password. And uh, he said, just get my bookkeeping done and get back to me by like the 15th of the month. I said, wow, this is pretty outrageous. You don't know me from a hole in the wall. You just found me, this college kid. You're giving me your bank account information. I think his personal account was also linked up to it at the time. That's how like crazy of a concept this was. And when that happened, I'm like, holy if I can do this from at the time Hicksville to Brooklyn, which is about 45 minutes away, I can do this from New York to California. And that's what really, you know, really resonated with me and like the light bulb exploded. So along with then cloud technology like Zero and QuickBooks Online, those types of softwares becoming more like dominant in the market and being enabling that kind of then shifted our business model from just a local market to a national brand now. So this is around 2012, like these, these early days. And this is the year that always comes back up on this podcast anybody that's zero adjacent or zero, you know, origin stories, 2012 was the year that was, you were one of the first to like to find zero. Tell us about that like finding zero. Yeah. So it's funny because I found zero. So I knew that QuickBooks Online for a, the longest time because I was a pro advisor back in the early days. And QuickBooks Online certainly was not and is not what it is today. They, they've made vast changes to and they've spent a lot of money in their product with the online version. But um, we were using QuickBooks Online with a customer and then Bill, and then we were figuring out a way to better manage bills. So we were using a file management system at the time that had like, a unpaid folder, a approved folder, and the paid folder. And my client would log into like a remote server and like drag the bills from one folder to the other when they were approving them. It was a very like clunky way to do bill pay, but it was a way that we did it remotely. Because prior to being like virtual, I would have to go pick up 
bills and then go scan them in. So the client would just scan them in. I'd process them. They would approve them. I'd pay them through the chase or wherever. And one of our clients said, like, there has to be a better way to pay bills. And so we came across Bill.com, which has been, you know, around as one of the top ecosystem apps for the QuickBooks Online and Zero for quite quite a long time now. And then from learning about Bill.com, I learned something called Zero. And that was one of the accounting integrations early on. So that's how I actually found out about Zero. And then when I tried it out for the first time, I'm like, wow, this is such a smooth experience compared to what QuickBooks Online was back then. So that's kind of what started us down this path of just being a zero-centric shop. And we were pretty much 99% zero only up until like 2017 or so, where then we expanded to start offering QuickBooks Online and some other general yeah. ledger softwares. Same story as most. QuickBooks sucked. We wanted a cloud platform, and that's how we all ended up inside the zero bubble. Who cares if everybody's using QuickBooks? It sucks at the time. We're going to use zero, and we're going to lean in. You know, that's, that's part of the history, right? That's part of how you got to where you were. And I'm sure that it's tough at times to be at the front end of a change or to be doing something that differently. But if you've got the vision, so I guess speak a little bit more on, well, I do want to hear like of what, what impression these tech partners made too. like just back to like seeing people as partners. I think we all see apples as partners because we're all in the Kool-Aid. Zachary's mm-hmm. using app. We all we all do. I know I know my Apple friends. But looking at the software that we use, I gotta say, like it was zero that changed my mind on all of it. That changed my life in a lot of ways. I'm, you know, I don't need to go on what they did to me. I want to hear how it impacted you. Was it Bill.com? Was it zero? Was it somebody else? It was probably zero most of all the partners because they cared about uh, Bookkeeper 360 and me as like a real valued partnership with them. They like the they actually set probably the the groundwork of how I look at our partners today with Bookkeeper 360, the way that we want to interact with our customers. The amount of like love and care that they saw in my early years to help me make sure Bookkeeper 360 was successful was amazing. And coming from like being a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, well, they've done everything to destroy the the definition of partners, in my opinion, over the the last like three four years. They still but do a pretty good job of it too. I, I get a new account representative every thirty days. I don't know what's going on over there, but nonetheless, like they they never were even able to help out like with the simplest things. Like so, when we were first, like Zero had great software, but the the people behind Zero and the partnerships that like the outreach was really just amazing. They did it differently. They built a community over like five years that was like so much more powerful than what I think Intuit did with their accountants communities in the early, you know, in the early years. So people say this about Apple a lot too, or it's true about Apple. It's the software and the hardware work together with Apple and Apple creates an experience that's unmatched like anything else because everything is all connected. I think that's basically what you said about zero is the software and the people that's the hardware. In this case, we're going to talk about people as being hardware. That's it. Like it's, they created a culture and it's impacted everybody in Zachary's intro. You know, it's the community, it's the relationships that we've all built through zero and other apps have modeled off of zero and in our space. Um, I think that is, that could be the ground zero for a lot of people. If they weren't inspired by zero, they're not admitting it. But I think that's in a lot of ways, it changed the course for Intuit too, for QuickBooks. And it, yeah. I even went as far as at one point. So a lot of our business clients, when they were setting up, they're like, because it was all new to them. They're like, okay, when the small business owner would come to us, they'd say like, what do I need to get? 
We're like, all right, we recommend the Mac or using the iPad and we recommend this and that. And we, we actually went as far as actually engraving iPads with like our logo behind them. And when the customer opened up the iPad, they would have zero, zero pre-installed and some of the other apps that we were using. So we've always been, a big focus of ours has always been like aligning the full package for the business owner. So they don't have to think about anything, like here it is. And business owners don't want to have to make decisions around like what accounting infrastructure they should use. They want to focus on their passion, grow their sales, like build their product, not like focus how the debits and credits get reconciled. That's So my use of time nowadays is really focusing with our technology team. So we're working on building our own software development team internally. We just got a director of engineering on board and it's around our culture and the product vision. I don't deal with client services anymore. Uh, you know, I have a team in place that handles that side of the business. So it's really around the branding, the marketing, big partnerships, that sort of stuff. I think that that brings up a good point, like this, that transition that you've gone from like being in the business and managing, you know, many aspects of it to just kind of working on the technology pit piece and the high level and, and compensation plans and, you know, other, other sorts of management stuff. But you probably had lots of these little transitions going through Bookkeeper 360 from 10 years ago to today. What, what, like, what is the first transition? When did you get out of bookkeeping? Like you being the one who was running the books and had and and transitioned into the review management process. And and then what was the next step after that? And and what challenges did you face on those journeys? It's a great, great question. So I would say I've been out of actual practice probably for about four, four years now. What so because my current focus is more on the technology and the vision of the, the product or app that we're developing. So I would have not had that insights of what to build if I'd never lived the problem. And I think that's core for any anyone that's trying to solve any problem. You always have to live the problem so you understand the problem at hand, the issues, all the components, all the moving parts to it. So like I did every, there's not a single role in this company that I have not ever, never done myself. I sold clients, I've done bookkeeping, I've paid bills, I've done payroll, I've done taxes. I've done advisory. So I understand a lot of different aspects of it. And that's actually helped us be very, very streamlined like with what we're developing. It's so our customers and our team, our and our employees dictate our, our product development. Like we never we didn't like just say one day, like, hey, let's go develop some type of app to solve this business problem that we may or may not know even exists. It was this constant repetition of hearing the same things over and over that really gave us the, the inspiration to develop a, a software for it because we felt there was nothing else that did it did it the way that we needed it to be done. It's kind of like what Apple has always done like with, with uh, software and hardware. And we kind of have the same mindset that we need our people and software to kind of be you know combined to own both aspects of that to deliver like a really good experience. I love that. I love that. So... At, and then along the same vein of this question, at what point did you start building a management team? Because most bookkeeping firms, most accounting firms, CPA firms, they are slow to make that transition. The owners are doing a lot of the work and they basically continue to always do a lot of the work. They don't necessarily have anybody in sales. They don't necessarily have anybody in marketing. They don't have a I, like you're running this like a company you, you've always run this like you're the ceo i see that so at what point did and you have a board of directors too i want to talk about that you guys have taken on funding so at what point did you see this as something bigger than just a 
bookkeeping firm and more of a business. I saw that very early on. That's why the name went from Pask Management Corporation, which is my last name, to Bookkeeper 360. Because it wasn't about me, and I maybe I'll be the CEO for the next 10 years, but there may be something else that called my attention. This is about a company built like glass. This is not just like Nick wants to create a job for himself, which I think a lot of firm owners do, and that gets them into trouble because then they have a dif difficult aspect about bringing in managers, delegating that down, their last names on the door type of thing. Like the last thing we ever wanted to be was a accounting, like a accounting firm that looked like that and sure. operated like that. I Differently think again. Yeah. It's, it's just not a model that I think works. So we made steps in that, in that trajectory, like from day one. And that's always been my mindset. Talk to me about a board of directors, because that's also something that you see that this is common in businesses, companies, not in accounting firms. So just talk about the need for that or what, what what it was because i think we all need advice and we all need somebody to guide us you know you were you were younger still are very young you know to and successful to be doing this but i think that comes with the absence of ego the absence of this isn't about me this isn't i don't want my name on there i need help i need people that know what they're doing so tell me like just i guess talk to us about the story of finding a board of directors and who they are and, and what that means to to the company. Sure. So, the, so anyone out there that has ever raised capital or is interested in raising capital, number one rule is don't just accept like money because typically you can attract the wrong type of investors. They will put constraints on the business, unrealistic expectations. Like it's a, it's a common fact that VCs will just push and push and push until it's a billion dollar bust type of situation. So it's all about alignment and building trust and as long as you have alignment, trust, and constant communication, I mean, it, it just helps helps the business stay like on track. So um, we have a very small small board of directors, although we have a, a pretty large investor group. I let everyone have a say. Everyone gets access to the same amount of information because it's all that transparency. And when I was looking, you know, so I've had some investors that were awful investors, and we've had to get them exited just because they weren't, you know, they weren't thinking about Bookkeeper 360 the same way I was. And I, and I made some of those early mistakes early on, bringing on the wrong types of investors. We've all been there. So like, mm -hmm. you learn, you learn as you go, you know, learn as you live. That's what Dave Barrett said mm -hmm. on his episode at Expensify. That's, you know, you, you have to learn as you go. You, you know, we're, we're always in a continually learning process. We never know everything. We never, you know, that that's always where people get in their own way too, is they feel like, they finally learned it, whatever it is. And there is no iterations or evolutions. And that's how we get to eventually from the past, present, future, right? Like you've got to learn from every mistake that you've made to get to where you're at now and know that whatever got you here isn't going to be what gets you there too. And there's a lot that we don't know. You don't make mistakes. You, you have lessons and you learn from those lessons. That's it. There's no such thing as mistakes in business, in my opinion. Plus yeah. Puts, plus he puts you out of business, then that's a bit of a mistake. But you typically learn and you have learning lessons. That's the way I always have looked at it. For sure, yeah. And we all stumble and you know bump bump our heads along the way, bump our knees, stub our toes. Tell us about something that you did screw up early, like something that you a way that you bumped your head that you thought was irrecoverable or that you weren't going to be able to move on. Did you ever have any of those moments? This is kind of a personal thing, but it was almost catastrophic to the business. So we were in an office building, which I'd love to tell you more about the office adventures that we had as we grew up. But we had a, uh, we had a pretty small office and at the time business was like really like booming and we ran out of space. We moved upstairs in our 
office building, four floors, all filled with accountants who they all thought we were crazy because we had an ax and just did things completely wacky. But right as we signed the lease, I pretty much elected to get triple jaw surgery and uh, had a complication. I already knew going into it, I was gonna be wired shut for almost like five months. And then I had like a bone issue and all this crap. And like, I was out of the office for a good six months. I was in a hyperbaric chamber when we just signed like a million dollar lease. So it was like one of those like, oh, what next type of situations. But I, I'm so blessed to have such an amazing team that like really like pulled through and got us through that time. That was a really dark time, really depressing time for me as well. As a, as was it elective surgery? Did you need it? Yeah. So I didn't have to get it at that point in time, but it would have gotten to the point that it was like really bad. Like we'd sleep apnea and, you know, other yeah. things, gum disease. So, so I, I said like, let me just bite the bullet and just get it all done. And I'll never forget this. So my, my surgeon at the time's like, it's a three process surgery. It's like, we're going to expand your jaw, like open it. We're going to move your front jaw up or we're going to move your, your bottom jaw back. And I said to them like, okay, let's just do it in one surgery. Cause I don't really have time to come back here and do this all over again. So like, just do it all in one big wrap up. And um, we had a little bit of a complication, not cause the surgeon's fault. I think just cause my health or whatever, but persevered through it and kind of made it through that. That was a really dark time for the company. That could be where your ego got in the way too, thinking you could power through something like that. They, yeah, we're going to do a three-part search. No, I'll just, you know, throw it all together. You know, keep me longer. I don't know, whatever you need. And then kind of put yourself through something like that. I, I, I can relate. I take some big swings with things. And, you know, you, we all think that we're a little bit stronger than we really are sometimes. Nick, how, how so. many, I know we talked about this a little bit when I came out to New York, but I know you've got at least one or two employees who've been with you for a really long time, who've grown with you. Yeah. A handful of my first few employees were some of my, you know, uh, childhood friends and people I met throughout high school. And at the time, they even know like what like what the company did. I'm like, I just need people to help me with these random things that I started like. I'm like, there's so much I can't do this anymore. So we've had a lot of great you know team members over the years. We've also it's kind of a sad thing, but like the company has also grown at such a speed that you tend to kind of the company grows faster than someone's professional development has grown. So the team that is here now and some of the, the longest standing employees of the company, they're like, they're like the backbone of the company. They've been so instrumental to our growth, but you know, and you also see people that don't grow with the company. So it's, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, in some areas, but, um, it's kind of just like, you know, who wants to help me do this thing and got some people raise their hands and they came on board in the early, early days. It's bittersweet. Cause it's hard to identify that in the moment. It was there, was there any point like, the most important thing you got good to great behind you, Jim Collins. And he talks about getting the right people in the right seats. And that's a really hard thing to do when you're first starting out in business. Cause in a lot of ways, like at least for me, I didn't even know who I was or what I was good at. How the hell am I supposed to know what, what how other people would be best suited? They think they like something and they're terrible at it, but you can't tell them that because that's what they want to be doing. Right? Like how do you figure that out early days too? Was it, you kind of just learn on the job type of thing. I think one thing that a small business and bookkeeper 360 had this, uh, these constraints is that like we graduated from, you know, high school friends to Craigslist to indeed. And now we, we even use headhunters when we need specific jobs filled. So there's always budget constraints. So you have to figure out the way to maximize like your team with what you have. And for any small business owner, you have to be nimble 
you have to like work with them. You have to like, you know, mentor them. And hopefully they, they, they see the opportunity and they want to have self-investment. If someone doesn't want to like invest in, invest in, in themselves, it's very difficult to get them to like start thinking that way. There's only much, there's only so much you can do before you have to like kind of just cut the, cut the investment on some people. But you have to, you know, just keep mentoring, keep helping people, I guess. Yeah. Mentoring, coaching. Um, do you have any mentors or coaches or people that, that helped you along the way too? None that I knew personally. I feel like one of my biggest mentors, and this may sound like a cliche or a little bit wacky, is like myself. Whenever I got to a certain point in my life, I always took that line, I pushed it off even more. So whether it was a new car I wanted to buy, a house, a fancy watch or whatever it was, I've always just kept on pushing the bar and pushing the bar. Because once I hit something, I'm like, all right, what's next, what's next? I have like addiction to just keep on doing something. Like I have to yeah. be active with doing something, but two of my That'll biggest- That'll catch up to you at some point. Oh, uh, I'm warning you now, it will catch up to you. I'm but... feeling it already, I'm feeling it totally, yeah. I get it. It's exhaustive, let me tell you, because once is. you finally do keep hitting those, yeah, but continue. Two mentors I would, so I don't, I met one of them, Mark Benioff, I met at one of his conferences, but I was really amazed the way that he transformed the CRM and cloud business and the disruption type things he did in his early days. So I've always encouraged, I was always encouraged by his boldness and just like, do whatever you think is right. As long as it doesn't get you like into massive amounts of trouble, just keep doing it type of thing. And then uh, Steve Jobs is like, I mean, like everyone would probably say that, but what was so inspiring about him is, is like, people don't know what they need until you show them what they need. And kind of this whole journey of cloud accounting, inventing what we've done and now inventing even our technology. It's like that. I always reflect back to that because like small business owners think they need like their bookkeeping done. They, no one really needs bookkeeping to get done. They need information to make business decisions. That's what they need. So like that, those are probably two of my most people that I've reflected on, but like from a distance, because I don't really know them personally. Well, you're redefining the relationship between an accountant and a business owner in the early stages you're doing something different there's a curve that i talk about a lot a dean and kruger curve i forgot what it's called you're at the beginning of a lot of these it's like you're at the peak of mount stupid think you know everything i think that's when you start butting your head and you do actually care about what people think at that stage and you really know nothing like it's you know it, all of us go into th some with the utmost of confidence to push through that whole imposter's phase then we end up in the valley of despair where we feel like we know nothing. And did you ever get to that valley of despair? I feel like you're now at the plateau of purpose or pleasantness. I don't know what I'm calling this plateau. I've made up these names as I go along. But after the valley of despair, that's when you start to really know that you know and you really start to learn. Do you remember being ever getting to there where you just feel like this is, I don't know if I'm going to keep, well, I guess I already asked you that question, but do you ever remember like that point? No, I can't. Say so, yeah, I do. I feel like from 2016 to 2018 was a really like those are some of the golden years of Bookkeeper 360, where we were being recognized and by like Inc. 5000 and some of these really like public type matters. So that's like that gave us like a lot of accreditation. So like from yeah. 20, 2012 to 2016 or so, whatever it was, that's kind of like the grinding and like hope we we're seeing results. Like people are liking what we're doing. The accountants on our office floor are like think we're out of our minds. <laughs> you'd walk sure. 
you'd walk into our office, we'd look at the trading floor. I, I had CPAs walking in, being, are you sell, like, is this a stock trading floor? We'd have TVs up, there'd be no cubicles, Mac minis, dual like, monitors. We have this crazy office bar that everyone like congregated around. And it was just like- You had candy bars or candy drawers and like candy drawers we used to have a, like a liquor wheel on carousel you can like, grab a shot espresso bars we've had helicopters bean bags like you name it. any tech company like you know startup kit we've had all that you know, junk and but it, it's like it always kind of just worked you know i used to say drawers too because i'm from new york and when I, I i changed it to drawers because everywhere else i go nobody says drawers except for up in that area of new york like at least for me you say it too i noticed Candy draws. And so now, so, now yeah. um, the transition has occurred in your business where all of your employees are now remote. You don't have that office, right? How do you, yeah. how do you try to instill the Bookkeeper 360 culture and what you guys have built and what you've stood for into a group of, of remote workers? It's not easy. And as much technology that we think or we have or whatever it is, there's no exact answer to that question. So it's a combination of a lot of things that we've started doing since going remote. So in March of 2020, right when the pandemic hit, I said to everyone, like, grab your laptop. We're going to go remote for a few weeks. We'll probably see everyone in a few weeks. At the time, 99% of the company was in New York. Everyone went to a physical office each and every day, including myself, the leadership team, managers. And, you know, obviously we never went back because the pandemic took much longer than we expected. And then we also started hiring because we were like really busy. We need help. We started hiring some people out a little bit more further from the office and then eventually out of the state. And then people like really far from like Texas and California while we're in New York. And we said to ourselves, like, we're not going to fire these people. These are great people. We want to like, we want them on our team. So it was a pivotal moment. Like in June of 2021, we made the final decision. Like we're not having a physical office. And that's something I was so gung-ho on having a physical office for the first like seven, eight years of existence, because I felt like it was not possible to grow at the speed that we were growing, keep our culture connected and keep everyone on the same page. So we turned 10 this just this, this up past October. So we decided to fly every team member that was able to make the trip to New York. So we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. We made it, uh, there was really three components of the trip. It was to bring our team together because there's a lot of managers and people on the team that have never worked together, which was amazing because it was so astonishing how well pe these people integrated and connected immediately. They felt like they were working together side by side for like, you know, five years. It was amazing to see the connectivity that was kind of born. Uh, we also brought people to get aligned for our business objectives for 2023. And then we, you know, we, we had some educators come in and do some coaching. So like our 10 year event was like the first time we brought the team together. So that is kind of a way that we've kept our culture together and we plan on hopefully doing it in the, in the, you know, the future years, but we do things like town halls. So every Friday, like once, sorry, one Friday a month, we typically get up there, this presentation, we do live Q and a, we have anonymous questions that get filtered in and we try to just keep everything, you know, everyone in the loop because people can feel like such distance when they're like working from home and all that stuff. We, we do also things like coffee talks. So like when new team members come on board, we like encourage them, hey, take 15, 20 minutes like as a huddle, talk about anything accounting in Bookkeeper 360. Talk about your pets, talk about your family, talk about your favorite sports team, anything but accounting. So we've had to transform the way that we do activities to stimulate our culture. And in the physical office, it was so, so much easier to do that. But you know, you have to adapt, so.
Adaptability. Yeah. Well, I feel like your reality distortion field is strong enough. That's why you never hit that valley of despair because you're able to pivot pretty quickly and you have to be able to be agile, nimble and pivot. If you're going to be the head of a growing company, still very relatively young. I mean, you know, I feel like a lot of the best entrepreneurs, they say they're just getting started. And so we got to the present. Now let's talk about the future a little bit. Where do you feel like you're just getting started? So we're just getting started with our technology. So we've, we're just now reassembling our technology team. Uh, we have about a thousand customers on our platform right now. The average customer is logging in about three times a month, which is amazing considering we've done really nothing yet to really encourage them to log in with automated alerts and all this. And we're, we're on this journey of bringing advisory to all small business owners. So it's about interpreting the data, telling them what's going on, telling them a story that relates to that business owner so they can make actionable decisions. Business owners don't want P&Ls and balance sheets. They don't care to see, you know, black and white text on a page. It doesn't really do anything for them. They want to see green when it's good, red when it's bad. So, you know, and all small business owners could benefit from a CFO advisor, but they all can't afford a CFO advisor. So it's about enabling our service team and our technology to just better support small business owner growth. We're really passionate about small business owner success here. And uh, we spend little to nothing in marketing. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of referrals and our customers just love what we're doing. In all honesty, our Google reviews, like you go on them, they just speak for themselves. They're paragraphs because we're really hitting at home. We're really helping small businesses. So just going deeper to help small businesses. Dope marketing. You you guys have done marketing very similar to my my instinct, how I've done it early days. Don't really spend money on it. But word of mouth can be so much more powerful with the right reviews and also putting your sign up in the right places. You guys did this. There's a handful of others early days where we saw a big opportunity in the zero directory. Putting our sign up in different places. We knew how the algorithm worked. We showed up in all the different cities. So when people were looking for zero accountants, we were one of the only people that showed up in some cities, you, me, and a handful of others. And that was pretty much it. And that's what the only option people had when they were, when they didn't want to use QuickBooks. And there's a lot of businesses that would find us probably find you through that directory because their accountant won't use zero. They don't even want to mess with it. Right. I'm sure you got that a lot. We would get it all the time. Not as much anymore. We get, we get leads from Gusto too, but tell me about just the, the decision to do some of those things or when, when did that click for you? Like we can do this and we don't even have to spend much money at all. Like in, in this, this channel. Yeah. So, I mean, we took a leap of inspiration when deciding to use zero, right? Because back then no one, no one knew what it was. I, I used to tell people it's about what X people not still Z. don't, <laughs> they still don't know how to spell it to some people. So we took a leap of faith in that. And then when we became like a player in that industry, cause like, wow, you guys are the trusted experts. We figured out a way to monetize that because we had brand recognition. We had uh, history, we had advantage because we've been using it for so long. So then it's like, once you build something that's unique and it's different that people are gossiping about, then you kind of figure out the best way to keep on like pushing it, right? And yeah, that, like whenever you do something disruptive, as long as it's like, again, it doesn't like blow it up. Like there's always like a message in everything you can do. I'll give you a prime example. This is probably one of the best ones that like, is very relatable that like everyone would think is interesting, I think. So when we had a physical office, 
This is a funny story. So when we had a physical office, every year we used to throw a single de Mayo party because it was right after tax season and everyone wanted to kind of let loose and like have a good time. And we would actually go to Taco Bell and go get 360 tacos. We used to have to, <laughs> we used to, have to call ahead because Taco Bell thought it was a fraudulent order. So we had to like prepay, go talk to the manager, and then we'd buy 360 tacos. We would have people bring in like banjos. We'd be wearing like sombreros. It was a full on like fiesta on the in, in our office building. There used to be our, like the the accounting firms next to us used to be slamming on the windows, like in the doors, like what are you doing in there? We're trying to friggin' work here. We're like, I don't know, we're, I pay rent too, and my space happens to be the same size as yours, so I'm gonna just keep doing what the hell we wanna do here. So that was like the first year where it was a disruption. Everyone was like, what the f is going on over there? But following that, the, the following year, we're like, we had so much fun, let's invite the CPA partners. So we invited them, they're like, holy you guys part, like you have a great time. Like, what do you guys do? Like, you, you work with small businesses. So it became a networking experience then. And then they started referring as customers. So that's a perfect example where you may be doing something that seems disruptive and like out of the world, but figure out a way to integrate people into it and then see how fast people want to be part of it. So. I love that. Yeah. You got to include people too, because sometimes people, their own worst enemy and they could get mad about something and then here, you want a beer? Oh, sure. I guess like anybody's complaining about a party here. You want a beer? You want to come hang out? Uh, I guess I'll come for one. And then they have, they end up having a great time, you know? That's the case, too, with a lot of this, like, this whole cloud accounting space. Everybody is down to have a good time, and and I think that's always been the difference between that and the way things traditionally used to be, is now people are welcoming the community, and we're starting to see there's a bigger world out there. And I think that ground zero was definitely zero um, to start that whole cloud community in our world of accounting. Um, it was dope. Is there, is there any other like visions or goals that you have that you want to hit? Like, what does this look like a software within the software and the hardware together? Is, is it always going to be one company? Are you going to separate it out at some point? Does that defeat the whole purpose of like the Apple-esque-ness of it? So we've had so many potential investors say, Hey, like, we just want to invest in the software. I and mean, once they say that, I'm like, you're just not the right person for us because you don't really understand the market. You don't understand the needs. You don't understand the connectivity with why these things have to coexist together at this present time. In the future, maybe there's an option where we, you know, the software becomes its own entity or whatever, but that really wouldn't matter because our software is independent from our services. You can sign up for our app. There's a 14 day free trial. You don't need to speak with our team to get started, but a lot of clients want to bundle our software and services for the, you know, complete experience. So that's it. That's that full complete experience. What do you think of everything being a subscription? I'm pretty sure you're doing that already. Do you offer one price for everything? So our software is a set price, but then our services are value based based on different tiers of level of engagement and then if you want like bookkeeping and tax, that's a certain price. And, you know, we don't force any of our clients to like, if you do bookkeeping, you have to do tax stuff. It's a la carte, you kind of build your own package and we have a 30 day cancellation notice just so we can help with transition. So there's no strings attached when working with us. And we do that purposely because if you, you know, we don't think we're doing a good job, you know, fire us. But we want to make it easy for people to engage with us and feel comfortable with us. How is your turnover rate with, clients and employees 
Turnover rate with clients has been really well because the clients that are not staying with us typically, unfortunately, some business models are just got, you know, destroyed by COVID and different, you know, things that have happened. Employees have been, uh, have been good. Uh, it always can, you know, be better. Employees are really challenging nowadays for the accounting industry, right? Labor shortages yes. are really tough. You know, these are things that I'm sure we're all experiencing in it. So we just try to be the best we be, you know, be, be the best we can and just treat our employees with respect and, you know, honesty and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, it's always further defining the semantics of it. But um, Zachary, you got anything else to wrap us up or summarize? Well, first of all, I thank you, Nick, for coming on. And thanks for being a part of this podcast. I appreciate both of y'all. Thanks for spending the time at Accounting High. But we'll all hang out together soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Nick. See you. Peace out. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember server systems with tech allowances, fintech vendors with some cloud outfits, but now low coding this computer science for accountants. In fact, I'm remoting in new tools, paperless, asynchronous for data analysts, APIs to find all your SaaS apps connected, cloud computing plugins for your implementation, automate technology to leverage the meta. Disrupt your desktop, then break it down. We sharing metrics. AI to the GPT to the AI disrupt. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and crypto agents disrupt. Time to tweak your tech team and make some changes disrupt. If my staff quit, I still have automation disrupt. Last episode just went viral. Let's go, it's gonna make your head spiral. Scarano, Casey, Sunshine, Accounting High Show. The lab is ready, it's tech time, yo. Glitch, it's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time at Accounting High. It's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time at Accounting High. It's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time. time.